Welcome to Primary Care Today on ReachMD. I'm your host, Dr. Brian McDonough, and today we're going to talk about a study released by the CDC and the NIH. Nearly 55% of U.S. infants sleep with potentially unsafe bedding, despite warnings from the CDC and American Academy of Sleep Medicine. The American Academy of Sleep Medicine advises parents to promote healthy sleep by creating a safe environment for their child, which includes putting a child to sleep on his or her back on a firm and flat surface covered with a fitted sheet such as crib mattress, bassinet, or playpen that meets the safety standards of the U.S. Consumer Product Safety Commission. And as primary care providers, we're in a situation in many cases where we are advising our patients about the proper techniques and the proper ways to put a child to sleep. And it's a very important topic, and we have a very special guest. Our guest is Dr. Shalini Paruthi. She is the Director of Pediatric Sleep and Research Center at St. Louis University. She's also an Assistant Professor of Pediatrics at St. Louis University School of Medicine. So I wanted to start with you, first of all, by welcoming you to the program. Thank you very much for having me. And the next question is, you know, we go back and forth, and certainly there has been a great deal of consistency on infants and sleep and sudden infant death syndrome in recent years. But let's just go over the basics from your perspective. What are the key things that healthcare providers need to know initially just about putting an infant to sleep for the evening in the safest possible way? This is a great question, and sometimes it's raised a lot of questions about what is a safe sleep environment. So I think the first thing that we have to remember is that we want babies to have their own sleep space. And sometimes houses get crowded, there's a lot of people there, but we still want to make sure that there is a safe space that is just for the baby to sleep. So that may be a bassinet, it may be a playpen, it may be a crib. And then I think once we have that safe sleep space, we want to make sure that there's not anything that could potentially suffocate the baby. And so that's why there's the recommendation that it is the most plain crib, the most plain playpen, where you've just got a fitted sheet over the mattress, and then you lay the baby to sleep on their back. And this way, the baby should not get tangled in any pillows or blankets. There should be no bumpers around um, the crib or the playpen. And so it is simply a fitted sheet over a mattress, baby laying on its back. And, you know, when I think about it, my children are now 19, 21, 23, and we were the typical parents who had, you know, the electric outlets with the covers and the fire safety, we, everything you could imagine. But we had the bumpers, which we thought were fine, and we had a, a stuffed animal in with the baby, which we thought was fine. And all those things, which we were raised with, are now being looked at as potential problems, and I guess studies and evidence have shown them to be problems. That's exactly right. So before, I think my parents did the same thing. They just did what they thought was right. And it looks like now that we have much better scientific-based research studies that have looked at the instances where children have unfortunately died and exactly what was that environment like. And so now we've learned a lot about how can we make our environment much safer for the baby to not get tangled into anything and to be able to sleep safely. You know, Dr. Pruthi, it's one of my worst nightmares. I always think about talking with my parents, and they were saying, oh, you, your generation thinks you know everything. We raised kids just fine. And I remember looking at the old crib that I was in thinking, that was barbaric. How could I possibly be in there? And now I have a feeling that in another five, ten years, my children are going to be saying, what kind of environment did you have us in? And it just shows the progress and how we learn about these things. 
It's exactly right. And so I think, you know, we all as parents want to do the right thing for our children, want to invest in our children. And and there's a lot of mixed messages that we see, whether it comes through TV or movies. And everybody wants to make this very fun, cute, lovable area for their baby to sleep in. But I think we have to really remember that sometimes more simple is actually safer for our babies. I'm Dr. Brian McDonough. You're listening to Primary Care Today on Reach MD. Our guest is Dr. Shalina Peruthi. She is a pediatrician. We're talking about bedding and child safety. And, you know, it's one thing to bring that up and talk about the safety in a crib, and, and these things are very important. But also, what about, and I know you have to deal with this as well, what about dealing with parents who will say, wait a minute, you know, I appreciate what you're saying, but, you know, we're going to do it our way, and we, we believe that's fine. We raised our kids fine. Do you get any of that, or do you have suggestions for primary care providers who might be facing that? That's a great question. We do get a lot of families um, who have either a different cultural background or whose parents did it a certain way and they want to do it the same way or they feel, I did just fine, so I want to continue doing it the same way. We really, I think, need to be able to educate our parents and our families that come through of what we know would lead to the safest sleep environment, but ultimately it is the parent's decision. And so, you know, I do remind parents that even when moms are breastfeeding frequently through the night, you know, that might be a time that you want to have the playpen or the crib right up next to the bed. So that way you can still have that sense of closeness to your child, to your baby, but yet there's no chance that a mom or a dad could roll over the baby. You know, I think when we have new parents, it's a time of sleep deprivation for everybody in the house. So mom's sleep deprived, dad's sleep deprived. And sometimes as adults, we know that when we're sleep deprived, we don't make the very best decisions. And so we still want to make sure that we counsel our parents even prior to the delivery of their baby um, when they're not yet sleep deprived about making good choices ahead of time and being prepared. So having the crib space next to the bed in the evening might be what parents want to do from the get-go. So that way it's not too hard to, you know, drop the baby off in their room. And so... That's okay. We know we get occasional breaks and interruptions during our program, and that's fine because a lot of times we're recording. That's okay. That's great. It's part. I would expect nothing less with a pediatrician than having to deal with these My husband even knows that I'm on for That's no problem at all. You know... No problem. I want to follow up, though. You're a member of the American Academy of Sleep Medicine. Now, this is an organization which physicians around the country can take advantage of and and get some information? Absolutely. So the American Academy of Pediatrics has put out new guidelines um, to, again, guide parents, guide clinicians on counseling parents about good, safe practices for sleep, sleep habits. And I think this also goes back to it's very common that we might be watching TV, cuddling with our babies, and then a parent might doze off. And we certainly don't want to put that baby in harm's way, but any of us, when we fall asleep, we kind of have our muscles relax, we lose some muscle tone. And so the baby can sometimes sink into kind of little spaces that otherwise the baby would not have. So we have to be very careful with sleep spaces, especially when we're holding our babies or, you know, if we put a baby in the same bed as two parents who are sleep-deprived who might be harder to wake than usual. Sometimes they can roll an arm over a baby's face, they could roll over the baby, and that can lead to very, very tragic situations. And I think these are things that I guess, you know, you see and, and, and we see in medicine that a lot of parents don't think of. Where are we now with our understanding of sudden infant death syndrome and 
and potential causes and things we can do to try to, to protect uh, infants and what, what puts them at risk? The great news is since the Back to Sleep campaign that was launched in the early 1990s, we've seen a dramatic decrease in the number of children who have died because of SIDS. Now, also in the same time frame, we've learned a lot more about SIDS, and I think we can better classify um, the deaths that do occur. So some of the deaths that may have been initially said to be SIDS deaths or sudden infant death syndrome, now we can go into the environment, take a look at everything, and say, gosh, you know, there was too much bedding in the crib, or the baby was found face down you know, on a large mattress that the parents were also sleeping in. So I think we've also learned how to better classify the environments and the situations of how babies died, but certainly realizing that some of the situations, how we can prevent SIDS has been extremely helpful. And I think that is important because we've gotten that education. Is that education, again, going out to the public? I know one thing that's pretty good is, there's a lot of magazines for young mothers and families and, and, and babies. I think there is a good deal of reading at that time for many parents. That's exactly right. We're seeing counseling from a lot of OBs are counseling their expectant mothers. We see at well-child visits, pediatricians are counseling mothers. And so we know it's a stressful time when you have a new baby, but we also still want to make sure we're getting that message across over and over so it sinks in. You're listening to Primary Care Today on ReachMD. I'm your host, Dr. Brian McDonough, and I'm speaking with Dr. Paruthi. She is uh, the director of the Pediatric Sleep and Research Center at St. Louis University, where she's also an assistant professor of pediatrics in the School of Medicine. She's a member of the American Academy of Sleep Medicine, talking about child safety. And in the bedding area, is there anything we haven't covered? I was going to move on to some other things, but is there anything that you felt we should talk about that we haven't? I think the most important thing is a lot of parents have questions about, well, if I don't have a blanket, how do I keep my baby warm? So we strongly recommend sleep sacks. And these are very interesting. I use them for my own children as well. So you can buy them at Target, Walmart, any kind of store. And they basically kind of fit like overalls, so you could have your baby in a onesie. The top part of the blanket sleep sack fits um, like overalls, and the bottom is a zipper that goes around the whole bottom of the half of the baby. And so they're very easy to use. There's no way that the sleep sack can flip up over the child's head and potentially suffocate a child. They're very useful. They keep babies warm. And so that's a a good alternative to the regular blanket. And as the baby gets older, at what point are we with babies concerned about when they can start to sleep on their belly and change positions and stuff? Is that something when it occurs naturally, when they're able to move, or are there times we specifically watch it? That's exactly right. So once a baby is able to roll back and forth on their own, it probably is okay for them to be sleeping on their sides or if on their belly they know how to roll onto their back. But if your baby tends to go from on their back to their tummy and then cannot get back onto their back, that's probably too early. And so anytime you see a baby like that, I would roll them back onto their back. And when you're dealing with mothers and fathers bringing their children in the first four months of life, what are the big things you're looking at in your exam? Because obviously you see them at that point, things that you're checking to see how things are going at home and if there's any risk. What are the questions and concerns you have? So a lot of times I ask very open-ended questions. So exactly how are you putting your baby to sleep? Are you, is the baby sleeping in a crib or a playpen? And that way we can really assess the environment. Um, and if the parents don't offer up too much, oh, I just put them to sleep on their back. 
Well, then we'll ask very specifically, you know, is there a pillow there? Are there blankets there? Um, we do a lot of education at that point, usually about using the sleep sacks if needed, um, or the onesies that include the foot part. And so we really try to get a good idea of that. And then we also talk with parents about expectations and how much babies can be sleeping at one time. So we talk about duration and the quality of sleep that they're getting as well. And that's obviously things that come up. You, you probably, in many cases, have to bring it up. What about factors at home, cigarette smoking, those sorts of things? Are, are they variables that, they, again, there's greater understanding about? Yes. So that's a great point. So with tobacco smoke, we do advise or ask parents if it's possible um, for there to be no smoking within or inside the house. And if there are family members who do smoke, that they do smoke outside. But even when they come back inside, we've asked them to um, change their clothes because they will be in close contact with their babies. Um, additionally, if we're able to get the information out earlier, um, mothers who stop smoking in pregnancy or don't smoke during pregnancy, um, there seems to be a decreased risk of SIDS as well. One of the opportunities with a program like this is you also can address other physicians from around the country, in fact, around the world, about health issues that may be of concern from your perspective. As a pediatrician involved, obviously, this issue is very important to you. Are there other things you'd want to get out that you think are important for healthcare providers, physicians, to know about uh, the first year of a child's life and things that you're concerned about? I think most importantly, we always want for our children to have a safe place to sleep in, so making sure the environment is safe. And then I think the expectations are really important. A lot of parents um, get worried if their baby cries or cries too much. And um, so we do want parents to know that there have been studies done about even with kind of what a lot of people refer to as sleep training and how early to start that. Um, you know, we do believe that even between like three to six months, we think it's fine for parents to start sleep training their child and um, placing their child in the crib or playpen when they're still drowsy, allowing them to learn to fall asleep on their own. Um, it is normal for babies to wake up six, eight times during the night, and it's sort of over that first three to six or nine months of their life that they learn to self-soothe and start sleeping longer durations at a time. Um, I think it can get very frustrating um, for parents when their baby cries a lot, um, and we do want parents to know that even with sleep training for parents who have tried the cried out method, letting their babies cry until they fall asleep on their own. Um, there have been studies that show there was no emotional or psychological damage, you know, five years later or a little bit more long term. So it is okay to try those methods if that's what parents would like to try. Well, Dr. Shalini Pruthi, I want to really thank you for taking the time to join us on Primary Care Today on ReachMD. It was really a pleasure to have you with us. Thank you very much for having me. This is Dr. Brian McDonough. If you missed any or part of this discussion, please visit reachmd.com slash today to download the podcast and learn more on the series. Thank you very much for listening.